You're listening to Innovation in Education, the Pulaski Academy podcast where we share stories of how PA is inspiring students to explore, create, contribute, and achieve. Now, here are your hosts, Greg Ledbetter and Matt Pulley. Well, welcome to Innovation in Education. Uh, This is Matt. I'm your host for this episode, and uh, we're so excited you've been able to join us. Very excited about my guest. Robin Barrow is a 2011 Pulaski Academy graduate. She completed her undergraduate work at Rhodes College, majoring in art history, studied at the uh, world-renowned Courtauld Institute of Art in London, and is now working uh, on her, her PhD at the University of Pennsylvania. Very excited to have Robin with us and can't wait to hear and share more of her story. Robin, welcome to the podcast. Glad you're with us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be back. Awesome. So you're back. So where, tell us a little bit, where, tell the listeners, where have you been? What's life kind of been like in the last year or two? So I live in Philadelphia, which is where Penn is. I was home for a period during pandemic and then I went back to Philly. Now I'm here for the summer and, and in just a few days I'm moving to Iceland. So I'm going to go live in Reykjavik on a Fulbright fellowship for the next year. Yeah, I want to hear more about Iceland. We'll jump into that uh, because my only experience is, of course, YouTube and <laughs> all that stuff. But I want to get into that. But uh, did you tell us a little bit about kind of your life. Did you grow up in Little Rock? When did you start PA? What was What was life like growing up for Robin? So I am from Little Rock. I live in Hillsboro and always have, so I'm within walking distance of school. I came to PA in 1998 and had an admissions tour with my mom, and I was five years old, and I was at PA for 13 years until I graduated in 2011. So I was a forever clubber at PA. Yeah, part of, part of the, the renowned forever yes. clubs. That's kindergarten threes or some point all mm-hmm. the way through. So that's pretty pretty impressive that you stayed yeah. all the way. Did you have any say in the decision or was it kind of like mom? Was, was, it was me. It was me what, completely. Really? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, my mom, um, she looked over at me and said, well, what do you think? And I was like, this is it. I was always a decisive kid and I knew. I knew that this was where I needed to be. Do you have Do you have siblings or only ch- only child? I'm an only child. What was What were your What were your days like growing up in Arkansas? What did you do in the summer? Did you travel or were you involved with extracurriculars? So we were a houseboat family. So I had we had a houseboat out at Lake Washita. Um, so I was out at the lake, or um, you know, I was really close to my grandmother, so I would spend time with her. Um, I played guitar. I was in choir here at PA, so I was always kind of a musical kid. I, I love creative writing, so I would I would write. I was never a sports person. I was never like in in a club or team sports here. Yeah, which is a lot of people don't. I think, unfortunately, the media covers a lot of the sports mm-hmm. stuff, but uh, we'll get into kind of some of the things that you did because the performing arts at PA is I think is phenomenal mm-hmm. and um, it doesn't certainly get enough credit you know out there in the in the community what are what are some of kind of your earliest memories of being at, at PA obviously you made the decision yeah to come to kindergarten what are kind of your earliest what do you remember most kind of early on starting at Plasky Academy let me see I remember all my teachers all the way through I was always really close to my teachers um, and 
I was a little slow to learn to read. I was in Ms. Poljack's first grade class, and I was a little slow as a reader. Um, I didn't really start reading very confidently until probably the spring of my first grade here at PA. And then by second grade, I was reading The Hobbit. I was like a very, I was like on a fifth grade reading level by second grade. And my teachers always, always allowed that. You know, we always had the space to kind of be where we were at on the reading level. So very quickly, I became like a very advanced reader. Um, I wasn't as good at math. <laughs> right, right. But, um, I feel like I always had the space to lean into my interests, and um, I spent a lot of time in the lower school library, which in those days was um, located somewhere else. Yes, yep. Um, but I, I had close friends pretty early, you know, kind of in the neighborhood too. Like after school, we would walk to Marlow Manor Park and swing, and so, um, oh, and I rode the bus for a few years, so I like... I don't know, PA was like every part of my life. It was just so, it was everywhere. <laughs> That's crazy. From first grade to second, going from not reading to The Hobbit. I was like, <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, that yeah. must, have been, must have been teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ms. Poldrack was very patient and, you know, very attentive. And I think I just, I'm someone who acquires skills a bit slowly but once the skill is there I'm just just take off so other kids probably were reading a lot faster or um, but when you have such a small class size you have that space to really go at like learn at your own pace yeah I think that's one, one of the one of the great things about PA even when you were here and and to this day is the small class sizes and really kind of the ability for teachers to kind of personalize or tailor, you know, whether it be reading or math skills to that individual student's, you know, their need, their learning style. So you kind of, you move at your pace, but at the same time, though, they're kind of pushing and challenging you mm-hmm. to, to kind of kind of raise that bar a little bit. So absolutely, I think even to this day, that's a, that's a big part of the school. Well, extracurriculars, what were you involved with kind of middle school, high school? Now you mentioned music. Yeah, let's see. So I was on the honor council in middle school. So that was something. I was the the honor council president of the middle school honor council. Um, so I remember that the PA honor code was something that really mattered to me. I was really devoted to academic integrity. And at Rhodes, the they also have an honor code. And so I like was very I was very comfortable at Rhodes. I liked that sort of. Um, I don't know, upfrontness, that we, we don't cheat and we do unto others as we have them, we would want them to do unto us. And um, so I was on the honor council. I was in choir. Um, I was in one of the school musicals. I was in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat in right. 2010. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I was. Oh, oh, I was in the band. I played the flute in the band for a year or two. Um, and then my senior year, I was on the homecoming court. So I was, you know, I wasn't, I, again, I like wasn't so much into the athletics, but I always felt like there was a place for me here at PA. Like I always had, you know, my, my groups and things. So, and, and my senior year, I was one of the, um, nine national merit finalists that we had. So it was, it was a kind of historic year for PA. We had nine, yeah, 10% was, of our class. It's a huge year. Yeah. yeah. And so we had kind of. 
you know, it was the National Merit Kids were kind of a little friend group, too. Yeah, I, I, I remember the, the pictures now because I think we, we did a lot of photos that Yes, we that had a year. photo shoot. Uh, I forgot about that, but they're mm-hmm. still around campus. I think if you look around the upper school, you'll see you'll see the photos. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. a great year for, for the percentage of National Merit mm-hmm. finalists, which I know often a lot of parents or families don't consider when they're looking at schools is, hey, what percentage of the class mm-hmm. is... is his national merit finalist. Absolutely, because at Central that same year, one of my one of my dearest friends at Rhodes went to Central, and they had fifteen national merit. Um, so they had more than us, but there were only eighty yeah. of us. So. <laughs> Central is probably a couple <laughs> couple hundred. Uh, mm-hmm. Where so so were you just in you know particularly upper school? Were you more of a math and science, or were you kind of an English social social science? What was kind of your what did you lean towards in terms mm-hmm. of classes that you took? I was definitely more on the English and humanities side. I feel now I wish that I had invested more in math and science, um, but I was always a reader, as I said. Like, I loved reading. I loved history. And so I was always in the social science classes, the English classes. I went for the, you know, I doubled up AP Lit, AP Lang my senior year. And um, so that was always where my, like, heart was. That's awesome. What Was there... As you kind of think through your experiences, was there a class or a teacher or a project that you really felt like, man, this is a tough, this is a tough class or, <laughs> or this is, I know this is going to prepare me for college. Let me see. So I feel like in the social sciences, um, in high school, you're continually challenged, um, to, to write and research on a college level. So my, the teacher who meant the most to me probably in, in high school is Mr. Cumming, Chad Cumming, who we lost in 2015. Yeah, yeah. But um, we did the peace essay with him, and we did, you know, we were doing 12, 13-page papers um, in his classes. And then that got me ready to do Mr. Toppage's senior thesis class, <laughs> where I did a 90-page thesis. Yeah, what was your, what was your topic? My topic was about... Um, the Collective Unconscious and Jungian Archetypes in Literature. So I thought I was going to be an English major. So I was I was excited about thinking about like the hero's journey, the kind of continual myth that runs through the Odyssey, Harry Potter. Cool. You know, I was yeah. kind of, and that didn't end up being the direction I went academically, but that remains the longest piece of academic writing I've ever written. Wow, that, yeah. So. And, and I think that's so cool about the thesis project is, which, by the way, we've, we've, I've done a couple of podcasts, one with Mr. Toppage and then with some students, but really to pick something that maybe either you're really interested in or maybe you don't know a lot about or maybe something that is a hobby and, you know, that kind of that, that ability or that opportunity to kind of select what you want. So I think that's mm-hmm. pretty, that's pretty interesting. It wasn't really a career path you went, but. Yeah, well, I ended up going, um, you know, dealing with similar things as an, you know, if I had done the English major thing, I would have been working with themes and motifs in literature. And I just went the art history way. So I look at images and visual culture. And so you can see this strain. It's just that I ended up kind of going a slightly different way because I had AP art history with Jody Musgrove my senior year. So oh wow, yeah, um, that was really formative class for me as well. So so moving into from post PA into college you you chose Rhodes what what other colleges did you did you consider did you look at besides Rhodes so I went on the college trip with Miss Watts and Mr. Toppage and we went to 21 schools in 11 days which is (laughs) quite a trip and at that time I was very certain that I wanted to go to the University of Virginia 
and I think because of my interest in history and and you know the sort of long history of that of that university but the college trip really helped me think about what I needed and what I needed was small classes individual attention I wanted to continue to have the learning experience I'd had at PA in my undergraduate um, institution and so Rhodes was a very natural fit for me coming from PA um, my dad went to Rhodes as well so I had kind of the the family history there and um, honestly by the time I went on the college trip I knew I wanted to go to Rhodes so I only applied to three schools and I, I went to Rhodes. What schools did you apply to? I also applied to Hendrix and uh, the University of South of the South, yeah. Swanee. Yeah, so kind of, kind of the small school. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there any pressure from your dad, or was he kind of like, no, just... He wanted me to go to Hendrix. Oh, really? <laughs> he didn't yeah, want well, me to leave, yeah. so... <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a daughter, so who's a, who'd be a junior, so I can understand staying that. But, uh, well, great. So Rhodes College, what did you... At Rose, I know you mentioned being involved with kind of some recruiting and that sort of thing. But what did you, what were you involved with at any extracurriculars or? Yeah, I was, so I was a Rhodes College diplomat. So I was a part of recruitment at Rhodes all four years, um, bringing students on campus. I was, uh, I was involved in Greek life. I was a um, Alpha Omicron Pi. I was also in choir again. Um, I worked nearby at the Art Museum, the Brooks Museum of Art in Memphis, um, which was a part of my um, my career trajectory. I was a barista. I worked at Starbucks on campus. Awesome. <laughs> so I was pretty busy. When you think back, kind of about your your time at Rhodes, how how would you or how would you articulate being prepared? I know you mentioned the thesis. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the longest project you worked on, research and writing. But how would you describe being prepared for college how did PA prepare you for those experiences that you had Mm -hmm. in college and and beyond as well I would say that my senior year at PA I you know I've I've always been someone who loved learning and in the academic environment so I really pushed myself I took you know all AP honors classes I took organic chemistry I took you know sort of the full bill for my senior year at PA and because of that, my last year at PA was more challenging than my first year at Rhodes. I had absolutely no transition to college. I was absolutely prepared. My research and writing skills were unparalleled by my peers. Um, you know, most of my friends said before I came here, I'd only ever written an ACT essay. Um, so they had no idea how to do a bibliography. They had no idea how to um, construct an argument. These are the same skills that I teach Ivy League students at Penn every year, and I got them here at PA. So, so Robin, so going from Rhodes, you, you finished there, then you decided that you would apply to the Courtauld Institute of Art in London. Tell me a little bit about that, mm-hmm. that experience. What was that like? So when I was in my final year at Rhodes, I had decided, so I studied abroad while I was at Rhodes. I went on European studies, and I had a five weeks at Oxford University, and then we traveled the continent, and I saw an amazing amount of art. So I was very prepared as an art historian, even while I was at Rhodes. And while I was on that trip, the dean of the program recommended that I apply to this this art institute in London. And I did not expect to be admitted. It's a fairly competitive um, place to go. So I I figured I would take a gap year after after Rhodes. So I applied to the Courtauld, and I also applied to the Disney College program because I'm a big Disney kid. I was like, I'll just go to Disney World for a year, and I'll I'll go do my master's degree next year. But I was admitted to the Courtauld. I did my interview on, on Skype, 
and I was admitted, and so there was no gap year. <laughs> um, between Rhodes and the Courtauld, I actually went on a five-week hike across Spain. I walked the Camino de Santiago, which is a five-week pilgrimage. Oh, my um, goodness. So <laughs> um, that was a big adventure for me. And then I went and settled down at the Courtauld and got my master's degree. And then I was back in Little Rock for a year. What was what was the hike? That's, tell me a little bit about the hike. What was anything you remember that was just kind of you know, blew you away or was incredible. That's an experience. Every day. I mean, um, so I went partially because I was really invested in like the spiritual journey of a pilgrimage. You know, I'd finished my time at Rhodes. I was in this pause in my life before I went on to do my graduate work. And the, the pilgrimage offered me this time of reflection, thinking about my life, thinking about where I was going. Um, but it was also re- really physically rigorous. I mean, it was eight hours of walking every day. It's really hard to train the body to. And so, so you've been this. This is your, your on your fifth year at University of Pennsylvania. Is that right? Working yes, on your PhD. Yes, I'm, I'm an upcoming fifth year. Upcoming, and you mm-hmm. you won, won the Fulbright. So tell me about that in Iceland, because that's really kind of what I wanted to hear <laughs> about. Because Spain now to Philadelphia to Iceland, I'm like. The, you are well-traveled. I'm a world traveler for sure. <laughs> you are. Um, so I applied for the Fulbright. Um, the Fulbright that I won is called the National Science Foundation Arctic Research Grant, and it allows me to go to Iceland for a year to continue my dissertation research. I'm a medievalist, but I work on um, basically art making and the effect of the environment on works of art created in Scandinavia in the Middle Ages. And so while I'm in Iceland, I'll be working on, you know, the meaning of wood sculpture and timber, which is such a prevalent part of the Norwegian economy in the Middle Ages and art making. And then you go to um, Iceland where there is no wood. (laughs) And so, you know, it was rapidly deforested by the Vikings. And so my research is, or the research question I'm grappling with with the Fulbright is, how do those meanings around wood sculpture change in Iceland where there is no wood except for what is imported? So that's what I'll be working on. I'll be in Reykjavik in the manuscripts library and I'll travel around the country going to regional museums and photographing works of art. Um, before I give my ma- my big colloquium at Penn, I have to return to my Ivy League school um, to give a big talk on on what I'm doing um, to the whole department. So I'm a bit nervous about that. <laughs> so, so when will you have to return? How, how, how long will you be in Iceland? So I'll be in Iceland from this upcoming Saturday, August 7th, um, until um, next June. But I'll, I'll have to go back to Penn in March. Well, I know when you think of Iceland, the first thing that comes to most people's minds is like absolutely, totally remote. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you'll be living like in, I mean, I'm sure you're housing. What will that I mean? What's life going to be like? Do you have any idea in Iceland? So I've never been to Iceland, but Reykjavik is a very small capital city. It's just a little bit larger than Little Rock, actually. Um, it's about the same size as Topeka, Kansas. Oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> um, so I'll be living there in a flat um, in Iceland, in Reykjavik. And then, but, you know, the amazing thing about Iceland is you have this, you're in such proximity to just the most stunning nature in the world they have a very active volcano that's currently erupting so we'll hike out there and see that and um yeah it's i think it's going to be stunning beauty but the weather is a bit challenging like 
you know, right now, because it's so close to the Arctic Circle, it's daytime all day. And in the winter, it's nighttime all day. Yeah, <laughs> so, and yeah. it's very rainy. So I think that I'll, you know, I don't know. I kind of like cool weather, but it'll be definitely different than anything I've ever done. So, yeah. So I think what will be so interesting, Robin, is just to hear what you mentioned is, you know, your interest in medieval art and now kind of post Iceland without access to wood and that being such a huge part of their lifestyle and art. I mean, what, what, what that's going to look like and be like, and to hear those stories, I think will be, and to be living right there among the people is, that's, that's incredible, incredible reason where you do interviews and, and with people that are there. So I'll be getting to know a lot of scholars there. Um, but I work on art that's very old, so uh, probably not so much like the interview model as, a, as, you know, looking through manuscripts, working with primary sources, and working on my dissertation. The reason that I chose to work on medieval Scandinavia is that right now in the field of medieval studies, scholars are really contending with the whiteness and the Europeanness of medieval things, and so it's really important to try in our scholarship to expand the map of the medieval world and think about spaces where there were indigenous communities and there were, you know, my advisor works on medieval Africa. And so it's basically just trying to show that the world was a huge and diverse and complicated place where trade and art were moving through all these different spheres. And it wasn't just, you know, French crusaders or something. Right. So, you, so you'll, you'll come back, you'll finish your, your dissertation, and then what future what what are you thinking down the row what, what are your plans so i intend to teach on the university level hopefully i mean i hope i can get a tenure track job in my field right. and if not i'll find the next adventure <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I believe you will so well my uh, my guest for this episode has been robin barrow and and robin so good to talk with you and and um just exciting to hear i mean obviously your story is unbelievable and, and we couldn't even skim the surface of <laughs> all i wanted to we have to have you come back for a second episode but i think uh your experience at pa really just is an example of of how the school and, and the relationships have mm-hmm. helped kind of mold you and, and where you are today yeah. and, and i'm so grateful to pa um pulaski academy set me on my journey i was here for i've you know i've never been anywhere as long as i was here and i just am really happy that it continues and i think everyone should come here well robin i so so appreciate you sitting down with us and uh and i can't wait to hear all the good stuff that you continue to do academically and also just personally in your in your life and thank you listeners for joining us for this episode and if you would uh, if you'd like to visit Pulaski Academy we'd love to have you come on campus you can check out ways to connect with our campus and community through our virtual admissions center which is www.thepavac.com the p a v for virtual a for admissions c for center.com and there you'll find different ways to connect with our campus and community through virtual tours, tours, our blog, our podcast, and a bunch of other other different different ways. We've got a lot of great episodes coming up, so uh, please continue to check back on the podcast site, subscribe, and uh, we'll be continue to share the story of how PA has inspired students to explore, create, contribute, and achieve. My name is Matt, and I uh, appreciate you listening to this episode. Have a great day.
You've been listening to Innovation in Education, the Pulaski Academy podcast, where we share stories of how PA is inspiring students to explore, create, contribute, and achieve with your hosts, Greg Ledbetter and Matt Bullock.